Hi, welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Tom Salopek from Cross Asset Strategy. We're here to talk about the APAC second half of 23 uh, nuclear outlook. We're joined by our Asia equity uh, strategists. Nuclear is making a big global comeback since early 22, 14 countries have either approved new nuclear units or announced supportive policies. This echoes IEA's earlier forecast that nuclear power capacity may need to double in size over the next two decades for the world to meet uh, net zero. And of course, this trend is particularly pronounced in, in Asia. So uh, joining us today on the call, we have Alan Hahn, uh, head of uh, Asia Power Utilities and Renewables Research, uh, Tomohiko Sano-san, uh, co-head Japan Equity Research and, and head of Japan ESG Sustainability and Machinery Research, SM Kim, Korea Autos Analyst, Sanjay Mukim, head of India Research and India Equity Strategist, and finally, Hannah Lee, head of Asia ESG Equity Research. So let's turn to uh, Alan Hahn first. Um, Alan, at a high level, how does Asia fit into the global nuclear comeback we're seeing and, 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 and where are we seeing the biggest growth in nuclear across the region? Thank you, Tom. This is Alan here. Over the last 18 months, we have seen an acceleration in nuclear development across the APAC region, echoing the global observations that more countries are seeing nuclear playing a role in carbon neutral development. But the acceleration in development in APAC, I mean, coincides that the nuclear power mix is only at 4% in the region versus 24% in EMAR at 18% in America. As of first half 23, 64% of nuclear power plants under construction in the world is actually located in this region and is up from 58% uh, like 18 months ago. Within the region, Nuclear build-out is dominated uh, in China, India, Korea, and Japan. And I'm going to give a high-level summary before my colleagues are diving into each region more deeply. China has accelerated uh, nuclear approval over the last 12 months. Japan has recently approved that having nuclear playing a role as carbon-free base load. And Korea has recently issued the 10th basic plan, calling for nuclear contributing 35% of the power mix by 2036. Thanks, Alan. Can you go into a little bit more detail on, on the rollout in China? Surely. Over the last 12 months, China has approved 16 new nuclear units, I mean a total of 16.5 gigawatt, and commanding an investment of approximately 230 billion RMB. According to a forecast by Tsinghua, a think tank with close ties with the regulator, it forecasts that nuclear capacity will need to rise by seven times in order for China to achieve carbon neutral by 2060. And within China, only a few companies have licenses to build nuclear power plants, where CGN Power and CNNP dominates, with a market share of more than 80%. We expect such dominance to be maintained in the medium term. In addition to carbon neutral commitment, Another reason for the acceleration on approvals in the recent years is China's readiness in Generation 3 technology. The first domestically led Gen 3 plant has commenced operation and showcased a stable operation in recent years. In the long term, we expect nuclear power mix uh, to rise from around 5% currently to approximately one-fourth when China gets to carbon neutral. Thanks, Alan. Let's, let's turn to Sano-san now. Sano, uh, what's the landscape for the nuclear rollout in Japan and, and how does that fit in with, with changing attitudes about social acceptance for nuclear power? 
Thank you, John. Uh, this is uh, Tomo-san of Japan. Um, in Japan, uh, basic policies of realizations of GX, uh, which is um, green uh, transformations, it's approved by the cabinet on February 10, 2023. The basic policy states that nuclear energy shall play an important role as carbon-free baseload power to achieve supply stabilities and carbon neutralities. In addition, the GX decarbonized the power supply low which includes an extensions of the nuclear power plant operating period to over 60 years, was passed at the plenary sessions of the House of Councillors on May 31. And the last, uh, the law clearly defines the government's responsibility to use nuclear power plants to ensure a stable supply of electricity and a carbon-free society. It also clarified the policies of maintaining and strengthening the industrial infrastructures required for human resource development and technological development. In order to achieve a target nuclear share of electricity generations of 20, 20 to 22% in 2030, it is essential to operate about 25 to 28 nuclear power plants. Uh, conversely, confidence in nuclear power has declined since the Great East Japan earthquake and the restoring the confidence is a top priority. Restart of the PWLs, including Mihama Unit 3 and Takahama Unit 1 and 2, which operated beyond 40 years, is progressing successfully. Uh, Mihama Unit 3 was restarted in June 2021, and Takahama Unit 1 and Unit 2 was restarted on July 28, 2023, and September 15, 2023, respectively. Going for uh, not only PWLs, uh, but also VWLs um, uh, is planned to restart. Thank you. Thank you, Sano-san. So let's turn to SM now and, and talk about Korea. Korea has recently announced new targets for renewable power this year. Can you walk us through your expectations for nuclear in Korea and how it fits in with the changing energy mix? So as a very short background, uh, in Korea between 2017 until 2021, the previous government's stance against nuclear was a gradual phase out, uh, which led to suspension of some of the outstanding construction projects, as well as uh, some of the planned ones for the uh, longer term. Uh, but since 2022, under the new government, the current one, the stance has changed to a gradual increase, uh, which we think is the only feasible way to deliver emission reduction with uh, cost into consideration. Uh, as going 100% renewable in Korea is structurally too expensive. So uh, since the new government, two nuclear plants have been added, uh, one each last year and this year, and four more will be added each in 2024, 25, 32, and 33. And through the 10th basic plan released early this year, the target is to have 35% uh, power mix coming from nuclear by 2036 uh, versus 30% currently. And then also increasing renewable mix from less than 10% currently to 31% while gradually phasing out coal from 26% right now to 14% by uh, 2036. 
Thank you, SM. Now let's turn to Sanjay and hear about India. Sanjay, what are your expectations for nuclear power in India? And, and may, maybe you can give us an idea of how achievable the targets are there. Hello, Tom. India currently has a very small proportion of energy coming from nuclear. We have about 7,500 out of total 400,000 uh, installed capacity being nuclear. There are about 15,000 megawatts of new capacity at various stages of development. So there is an emphasis on expanding it. Uh, this has come in after the U.S. nuclear, U.S.-India nuclear deal was signed earlier uh, last decade. Uh, these are, of course, projects that take a while. India has uh, two specific issues, Tom. One, that it has a lack of uranium resources. We don't have too much natural uranium ourselves. And uh, India needs a lot of energy to fuel its growth. The nuclear incentive is not just for uh, for reducing carbon emissions. It is also to fuel the huge expected growth of the economy going forward. India is therefore for the last several decades working on a three-stage thorium uh, uh, project. It requires the construction of pressurized heavy water reactors, fast feeder reactors, and ultimately thorium reactors in stage three. The second stage prototype fast feeder reactor is currently under completion is expected to start operations sometime next year. This is a multi-decade sort of an endeavor talk. And uh, the Indian government has stayed the course. India has the largest reserves of thorium in the world. So somewhere in the next four or five decades, the first thorium reactor in India should start. It is expected to then become the bedrock of energy supply in India over for the next 100 over years. So there is a long-term plan, uh, but in the near term, we are expecting a significant amount of capacity to be added on more natural uranium uh, processes. So ESG considerations on nuclear power center around the associated environmental and social opportunities and risks. So of course, the clear benefit of nuclear power from an ESG perspective is the role that it can play in decarbonization as a source of low emission energy, while also improving energy security, which complements the rollout of renewables due to its dispatchability. And actually, in fact, according to the International Energy Agency, more nuclear power will be needed for the world to stay on track with net zero emissions by 2050, um, which I think we did touch upon in the introduction. That being said, though, there are credible environmental concerns associated with nuclear energy, and these really are related to the hazardous waste byproducts. And so utility operators really do need to demonstrate clear policies and disclosure on power plant decommissioning and radioactive waste management, for example, as well as waste disposal management. And it is also, of course, worth noting that nuclear incidents, although rare, can also turn into severe ESG controversies. And we have seen examples of that in the Asia region recently. Then, of course, in the social pillar, community relations and social acceptance are really important. And public opinion around nuclear energy is almost one of the most material considerations in some countries with regard to the acceptability of the rollout of this technology. How nuclear is viewed from an ESG perspective can also be relevant to the capital raising environment. And here there have been recent shifts as well in the debate with the EU Parliament notably voting for the inclusion of a specific nuclear 
activities into the EU taxonomy last year. Uh, this is also relevant as taxonomy defined the list of activities um, eligible for green funding. And here there have also been moves um, marking a clear shift in the perception of the role nuclear energy can play in both meeting climate change and energy security goals. So here in Asia, both Korea and China both notably include nuclear power on this list of green activities. But we do highlight that ASEAN countries, for example, have shied away from such explicit support for nuclear and green financing frameworks. Thanks, Hannah. While this will be an important theme for us to follow going forward, given the ex accelerating development across the regions and nuclear playing an important role in decarbonization with particular focus in Asia, of course. So thanks to all the speakers, Alan, Asano-san, SM, Sanjay, and Hannah, and thank you all for tuning into JP Morgan TV.